0: The Homebrewed Chef is brought to you today by the Cicerone Beer Certification Program. Professional credentials for people who sell and serve beer. Visit them online at cicerone.org. Buckle in your taste buds, foodies, and beer lovers, and let Sean Paxton have his way with your mouth. This is
1: The Homebrewed Chef. And welcome to the Homebrew Chef, Sean Z. Paxton and my wonderful co-host.
2: Oh, I'm Justin Crosley. Yeah, that's who you are. <laughs> Glad to be back on the show, Pax. Uh, it's been too long, my friend. Yeah. Uh... It's been
1: like a week since I've seen you. <laughs> that's true. I've seen you more this month than I think I usually see you.
2: Yeah, well, we had, we did a little work together and then the Homebrew Conference together and then some fun together. So, yeah, we've been getting to hang out a little bit.
1: It's a lot of together time. Yeah. And it's I've been good eating times.
2: good food because of it, so I like that.
1: Well, it's always nice for me, too, because I like to feed you. Yeah, I need it. <laughs> My I wasn't going to go there, but... My liver needs it, too. Seriously, it's been like a binge drinking just all over the place. Right. Oh, good times, though.
2: Well, welcome back to the program, everybody. It's the Homebrewed Chef with Sean Z. Paxton. And, of course, our sponsor today, and uh, like always, is the Cicerone Beer Certification Program. You can go over to cicerone.org. And check it out, how to become a certified beer server. And also, our webcam is brought to you today. You can go to TV slash brewing network. And our webcam is uh, brought to you today by Firestone Walker Brewing Company and the great people down there. They brought you our webcam back in the beginning, and they're doing it again this month so that you can watch all the action here in the studio just by going to TV slash brewing network. Big thanks to Firestone Walker for supporting the show. Big time. You're all decked out in the Firestone Walker stuff today, too, Pax. I tell I like you, have been
1: down there a lot lately. Yeah. We just did a special blend with, uh, or at least the beginning of the blend for uh, Brower's Cafe for their anniversary beer that they're working on with Firestone and just uh, having a good time. Okay. Plus, I just did an event with them for Seattle Beer Week, and we'll talk about that a little later. Well, they're doing events all over the
2: place, huh? not just here on the West. Oh, we've
1: been having all kinds of fun. Okay.
2: Well, it sounds good to me. Uh, we got a great show for you today because we're going to be talking about some of these events that Paxton is mentioning
1: yeah, something completely different. Thought we would just kind of do a wrap-up show just of all these different events because a lot of you guys actually have been to these dinners and uh, keep seeing all you guys were in the hop grenade and it's really awesome to see and thought it would give the rest of you guys a little bit more insight on what's been going on and these different dinners and try to encourage you whether it's my dinner or any other beer dinners just to get out. You know, it's so easy to get in a rut and you know eat at the same restaurants and you know, right do something different. Go <laughs> to a beer dinner.
2: So I know that uh, down at the National Homebrewers Conference, which we're going to talk about today, uh, the Brewing Network had our anniversary party on the Wednesday night before. Yes, we did. And uh, one of my friends uh, and, and on the governing committee with me too, Harold Gabranson. Oh, uh, yeah, Harold. Uh-huh. He came up to me uh, during our, our governing committee meeting on Wednesday morning, and, and he was real apologetic, and he said, I just, I just want to say I'm so sorry I, I can't come to the party tonight. Um, the one thing all week that my wife wanted to do was this beer dinner that's happening tonight? There was a beer dinner going on during the uh, during the party. <laughs> How dare
1: they? Did they not know? And he said, I, "I have to go to.
2: It's the one. You know, she's let me do anything I want all week, but this. You know, my queen the wants to go to thing. the to the beer dinner. And, and I, I look at. I said, Harold, that sounds fantastic. Uh, beer dinners are great. You don't have to apologize <laughs> to me for that. So even when we're throwing a, a big events, Paxa, so I'm with you. If you have a chance to go to a beer dinner.
1: By all means, man. Do it because it's people like you that go out to these dinners that help make the – just the it just explodes yeah. because you're supporting whether it's me or it's another restaurant and uh, you're supporting the brewery. And it's, it's ultimately doing the same effect, which is helping everybody by having more beer dinners because you're voting with your dollar. You're, you're supporting these events. And I really think that they're critical in what we're doing and not just in the wine business but in the beer business to really help people understand how beer and food go so well together. Sure. I'm I'm with you, 100%. I can't say anything else. So don't come
2: apologize to me about missing
1: anything for a beer dinner. Not at all. Yeah, go to them. But we were sad that we didn't feed them. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah. we
1: did have, the, I think, the longest line in the beginning there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was standing in line for food, not for beer. It was kind right. of funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, they knew that the beer would be there all night, but the, your food was going to go quick.
1: And it did. It yeah. was like 50 minutes, and we were sold out of 250, actually 260 sausages. That's so. pretty amazing. Yeah, it yeah. was a good time. So, But we'll talk about that in a little bit.
2: All right, as always, you can send feedback to the program, and Paxton uh, tries to reply to you, if not personally, or if not back on Facebook, or uh, if not uh, in an email. uh, We try to do it here on the show. We pick some of the best ones and and read them back to you. You can always send that to homebrewedchef at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's homebrewedchef at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send your feedback there. It all goes straight to Sean Paxton, and like I said, he tries to get to all of it. So, uh, here's one from Mike. He wrote in, Hey, Sean, uh, a couple of guys from my homebrew club and I are pairing with a local chef to put on a beer dinner. His food, our beers, hell yeah. The chef has offered the following as the dessert course. Uh, Cardamom roasted peach with almond financier and creme fraiche. (laughs) He says, We're not 100% sure what to pair with this dish. Can you make a suggestion? Thanks so much for your time, and uh, keep up the good work. I look forward to meeting you at BNA6.
1: So, yeah, this is a pretty interesting dessert. Uh, With the cardamom, you kind of have that uh, warm spiciness that cardamom brings. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably going to be green. Uh, There's green and black cardamom. They have, uh, whether using the pot or the actual seed, it's a little bit different. Uh, And then with the roasted peach, so you get some of that sweetness. You get a little bit of that honey, and then you get that nice almond finish. And then you get the tartness of the cream, our the creme fresh, uh i would probably go in the lines of a triple because you could play up some of the spiciness of the triple uh with those belgian yeast and the the ester profiles as well as some of the honey notes that that beer happens to have uh, a strong golden would work really well like damnation or uh even actually uh funny how this happens but firestone walker solace would work really really well with that too oh yeah yeah, it'd be uh, quite nice just to get the the flavor and the, the wheat or uh, a nice, just more of a pale beer. You know, I won't go too heavy as far as a quad or anything like that because it'll just suppress a lot of those flavors. Uh, pretty delicate. Um, but, you know, you want something to complement here, not really contrast since you have so many different flavors. But I think that'd be really nice. Okay. Triple or a Saison or a kind of a hef hybrid, if you will. So something like that.
2: All right. Evan writes in, Hey, Sean, I just started to listen to your show after you cooked on a Brewing TV episode, and yeah, I love
1: it. The four ale nachos. That yeah. Was a fun one. Those were good.
2: One question I have is, how can I make a cheap and easy dish? Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time or money in cooking it, but I want a lot of flavor. I have a small selection of common spices, and I don't want to spend money on whole spices or a whole bunch of different ingredients. Well, he really has listened to your show. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like, I feel like I have a
1: one hand tied behind yeah, my back really and a dull knife and sticking uh, it to you. some rust somewhere in there. Yeah.
2: He says, Guinness stew is my favorite dish ever, and I was thinking about using a slow cooker to cook chicken and a dry Irish stout I'm making, and serving it over mashed potatoes with something like flour to thicken
1: it up. <laughs> something like flour. How That's would you pretty s- simple. <laughs>
2: How would you suggest Just I make it? throw in a- the flour. I don't
1: have any room for butter.
2: (laughs) How would you suggest I make a simple dish such as this? And how can I make it better? Uh Uh Uh-oh. He's in for it
1: now. Wow. And how to make it better. Well, first, go to your spice store and then... (laughs) 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 No, Evan, I think uh, it... It's a great question, and I struggle with this all the time, because how I cook versus how a lot of people cook I know is a little different, and I know I'm a little eclectic that way, Um, but that's also why I think you're listening to the show. So what I try to do with this uh, is if you were to take uh, butter, olive oil, some kind of medium there, uh, sear off your chicken breast so they get a little texture. Uh, That's also going to sear in some of the juices. Uh, Take out the chicken breast. uh, like a medium-high heat pan and a saute pan, and then uh, add in—actually, a Dutch oven, I think, would work a little bit better because you actually use that as a braising apparatus, and uh, go ahead and put your oven about 350, and add uh, in—once the chicken breasts are browned on both sides, about four minutes or so. You don't want to cook it all the way through uh, because it'll actually finish the cooking in the beer in the pot Add in some onions, uh, yellow onions, peel them, uh, slice them up. Uh, Once they have just a little bit of color, um, add in a bay leaf. If you don't have a bay leaf, add a little bit of thyme. If you don't have any thyme, add in, you know, you could do uh, maybe a little oregano or marjoram. Um, I know I'm getting a little crazy here because these are a lot of ingredients, but you don't have to use any of that. And uh, you could add in at the very end when the onions are starting to get just a nice kind of light golden hue to them, add in a little bit of garlic. Uh, Just a couple cloves. Uh, Deglaze the pan with uh, the stout, whether it's Guinness or some other Beamish or other such beer. That's just uh, pouring
2: a little beer in and then scraping the bottom, right? Exactly.
1: And you're going to remove all that fond, and that's all that flavor. And it's going to kind of make its own stock that way, if you will. Um, It's a cheap kind of stock, but it's a great way to also clean your pots and pans. Um, So it's actually kind of a win-win because you get all that flavor. Add in your uh, chicken breast back in, pop that, uh, and make sure you keep the skin on because that's actually going to help make sure that it keeps uh, a little bit of fat in there and protect the breast pop that in your oven for about 20 to 25 minutes uh once the chicken's fully cooked uh, temperature about 160 degrees 165 pull out the chicken add in about a quarter cup to a half a cup of cream reduce that down to it's a nice sauce uh you could do this over mashed potatoes or some fettuccine you'd also do it over like a risotto rice not that i want to go too crazy and expensive but yeah. another way to do it there you go sounds good to me i could have that once a week
2: all right, James writes in, Hey, Sean, I recently discovered the Brewing Network and your show. Goes, the show's given me a ton of great ideas and inspired me to become a Cicerone. I'm catching up, and I just listened to your holiday episode. While out of season, it got me thinking about the ho- ahead about the holiday
1: season. Which is good, actually, because it's good to start thinking now about the holidays.
2: I'm planning to brew an English strong ale to be ready in time for winter. I would love to take uh, some of that and make a wassail. Do you have any suggestions? Would an English strong ale work for wassail?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, if you really want to do a traditional wassail, it's almost more like a porter base. Uh, There's a lot of recipes. Uh, Doesn't Jamil have one in his book on uh, wassail? He might. I think he does. And that's, uh, as I recall, not that I flip through that book every day, but... uh, there's a nice one in there. Uh, you know, the wassail is kind of fun because it's kind of like a spiced ale, uh, spruce. I mean, you can go so many different directions. There's not like a, this is how you have to brew it. Um, it all depends on the flavors. You know, you could do a little cinnamon, a little nutmeg. Go easy on those, though. Um, those flavors go really strong. Sometimes there's clove. Sometimes there's spruce tips or spruce essence. Uh, but I think, uh, I mean, the old ale is nice, and you could do easily like an old ale with a little bit of cinnamon, a little vanilla bean maybe Um, even a little cardamom uh, just to mix it up a little bit because that's more Danish but that could be kind of fun Uh, or do your real wassail with more of a porter style or a stout style usually it's a little bit darker but like an English porter would work pretty well for that instead Um, but for the uh, you know, an in, in English strong ale, you know, I mean, think barley wines. I mean, you know, it's it's a nice touch, just th- that by itself. And if you actually add some oak chips or some um, bourbon barrel chips uh, that have been soaking, uh, you could easily get some real nice flavors in there, and that would work probably real well for the holidays. Okay. Great with prime rib and ham and ro- roasted, you know, anything. So I think it would work well. Great.
2: All right, and here's one that came in from Ken over uh, through Facebook to you, Pax. He says, "Hey, chef, I'm looking for a beer brine, uh, looking to beer brine a 150 pound pig, and making a wort reduction barbecue sauce. What are your suggestions?"
1: Ooh, Nelly, get out the uh, the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, that's a big pig. Uh, anytime you work with a pig over a hundred pounds, uh, it's a lot more difficult to work with. Um, I've done this before I've learned because, uh, one thing is I'm not sure exactly how you're going to cook this thing, but, uh, make sure that, uh, you don't have to move it very often because that is one big piece of meat. Um, what I like to do is a beer brine works great. Uh, you could easily take the recipe on my website for a pork beer brine and increase it like probably 20 fold. Uh, you're probably going to need several gallons, uh, probably like at least 15 maybe 20 gallons of brine to do a pig that big uh the biggest question is i don't know what kind of containers you have um after working in the hotels and stuff uh there's only so many big containers and like a lexan will not do you because that pig will be either half in or half out uh so your other option is to actually take you know a nice beer uh we did this actually for the the Winter Brews Fest uh, two years ago where we took uh, two Berkshire pigs that were slaughtered for us and uh, I helped with that and we uh, injected about eight bottles, uh, 12-ounce bottles of uh, brown sugar from Lagunitas all the way through using a syringe and uh, that gave a a really nice flavor and I let that sit for about three days. With a pig this big, you're going to want two, three, even up to four days in the brine because it's Um. that big. Uh, The other option... is to kind of do a crosshatch with a knife to cut through the skin and kind of butterfly the pig so that uh, the breast bones are cut on the inside so it can actually open up flat. Uh, And then that way, uh, on the skin side, you can kind of cut it into like a nice diagonal kind of square shape on the back. And then that way you can actually use those... um, corners, if you will, and actually inject the pig that way to kind of keep the meat in and then rub it down with uh, even some malt. Uh, You could use some DME and kind of make a rub uh, if you wanted to do something like that. And uh, at that point, you can... Wrap it up in a refrigerator um, or a big walk-in at that point because I don't know what size refrigerator you have. (laughs) I know I have a couple big ones, but not that big. Um, And let that sit for, again, two days at least. Uh, It's going to make a huge difference. And then make sure you kind of warm this up for a good hour or two before you actually pop it on the coals or I'm not sure if you're doing like a La Cachina, which uh, we have a link on the extras for this, um, it's a great way to cook a whole pig. Uh, another thing is just to dig a big, giant hole in the ground and uh, slow roast it. Uh, but the trick is with the big hole is that you need to put some river rock down there so it actually captures some of the heat. You can use brick, you can use um, if you don't want to dig a hole, you can actually do it where you take. Uh, Cinder blocks, and basically stack those up you're going to need about thirty to forty of them, and you can actually create kind of like a big giant bathtub if you will that's mm-hmm. uh, about as big as your um, pig and then you can actually use rebar and tie it together almost like a um, uh, gurney if you will, and mm-hmm. then use that and make two of those and then tie those two together so you actually have like two parallel pieces that run at least the length of the pig if not a little longer so that will be actually how you're going to pick the pig up and then at that point you have uh bars, at least probably three if not four because of the size of the pig and then with some uh steel uh wire tie those together so they're not moving around and then do that twice so you have one on the bottom and one on the top and then tie those two together with the pig in between sounds it.
2: easier to dig a hole man
1: well, no, you'd still have to do this for the hole, too. Oh, I see. So, and because wow. that way you won't be able to get it out. No wonder this happens
2: like once a year. A hundred,
1: you know, and 50-pound pig dead weight yeah. is heavy. Right. And when it's hot, it's even heavier because you can't really touch it. <laughs> right. So, you have to think about that. Um, a of Also, like that. a great trick with this that I've found is if you get the, the wireless uh, meat thermometers, so you basically will have a probe into the meat uh, at its thickest section because you want that to come up to about 170 to 180 degrees. And uh, that way you don't have to have it right there and you can actually, you know, not have to monitor it as much, but um, you're going to need a lot of charcoal too, man. You're probably looking at about 200, 300 pounds worth of charcoal to get that, that, Hot. I mean, I did this uh, a couple years ago for the national Ho- or the uh, Northern California Homebrew Festival, and actually, I'm looking to do that again this year. So,
2: why would you want to do it again after doing all that once?
1: Well, let's just say that I'm talking to a certain brewery about hanging some pigs in the hop room that have nice. thousands of pounds of hops and uh, kind of create something pretty cool and special. That's so. cool. Okay. Oh, I hate my life sometimes. But right. That should give you a good thing. Now, as far as the wort reduction, um, again, you're going to need a lot of barbecue sauce here. Uh, so you can easily do like a stout uh wort or like a pale ale wort. Um, I won't go too heavy on the hops. Uh, Add in some caramelized onions, some garlic, uh, some tomato uh, paste or canned tomatoes. Puree that together. Uh, You know, spices. You know, you can take some of your spice blend if you're going to do like a spice rub. Um, I have a chocolate ancho rub on my website uh, for a brisket that would work real well i think for the pork or you could totally switch it around and do something completely different where you have uh you know more your carolina style uh north or south or you know tennessee memphis texas i mean that's the thing it's all depending on what flavors you want to do with your rub but then use a couple cups of that into your barbecue sauce maybe um you know if you like uh Apple cider vinegar works really well with pork, so does malt vinegar. I've been using a lot of malt vinegar lately, and it works real well with pork, too. So get that in there, boil it down, puree it up, have a real good sauce on the side.
2: Sounds good. Sounds like a lot of work for something really good. Yeah, Yeah,
1: get up early, stay up late. It's going to be fun.
2: Okay, that's all the time we have for feedback today, but you can always send your feedback over to homebrewedchef at thebrewingnetwork.com. It's homebrewedchef at thebrewingnetwork.com. And it goes straight to Paxton. If he can answer you directly, he will. Otherwise, we'll put it on the show. Uh, we try to get through all of it as best we can. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, the National Homebrewers Conference and a lot of the other events that well, Paxton's beer been weeks. doing. So Beer Weeks, National Homebrew Conference, and uh, lots of feasts. Hang in there. It's the Homebrewed Chef.
3: When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. Unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. A
4: heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle.
0: If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The
2: very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style.
0: Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly
2: powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic.
3: Don't drink ordinary beer. In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It?, Brew Strong, and The Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical firm, a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the Bean Army today.
0: Now, more triple bacon wrapped bacon with bacon demiglaze glaze from the home brewed chef.
2: All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks again to our sponsors today, Cicerone.org. You can go check them out at Cicerone.org. And Firestone Walker, bringing you the webcam, justin.tv slash brewing network.
1: Bacon wrap, bacon. Yeah. That's all i got to say.
2: <laughs> Who doesn't like? I Just real quick, uh, on the Travel Channel, I think it was the other day, there was a show all about the best bacon was spots Was that like the Bacon
1: Paradise?
2: Bacon Paradise.
1: I think I watched that.
2: And they made this burger um, that was like half bacon like in the patty was half the ground, ground bacon, half ground beef. There was another place that made um, – what's the – Are trying to make us hungry, Justin? What's the chunk of bacon that's just like a big chunk of bacon? Pork belly. It was a pork yeah. belly burger. Yeah. It was incredible.
1: i got to move my mic here. i got to look at you different.
2: It was just an incredible uh, show. I yeah. sat there. Just
1: sit there, just yeah. – <laughs> All right, but Pax. But you know they actually always say that any time you use bacon or, or pork belly, you're cheating. You are? Oh, totally. I because it's bullshit. like, it's hard to really F it up. It's, uh, oh, I see. It's yeah. so, you know, tasty, and right. Drew Beecham will tell you that, too. He'll, he'll right. tell you,
2: cheater. Well, it doesn't make it not glorious. Oh, though. trust me on that one.
1: <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in a minute here.
2: All right, Pax, why don't you talk to us about some of the things that you've been up to so we can get an idea of how these beer
1: dinners go. Just fed two thousand people in four weeks in three states for four (laughs) events. That's incredible. It all started off in Seattle Beer Week, which let me tell you, those guys up there know how to party. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Matt Bonney and Matt Vanderberg from uh, Brower's Cafe, uh, awesome host, awesome bar. Any guy, you know, anybody who's ever. Either been in Seattle or outside of Seattle, you guys got to go to Browers. It's just—it's one of my favorite places up there. It's just so awesome, and we had just such a great time. We had 103 people there. Firestone Walker was there, so David Walker actually came out. We had a great time um, on a Monday night, a beer week. And uh, again, great reason to get out and just enjoy. All these different beer weeks are happening all over the country. There's like 40 of them right now, and that's kind of why we're doing this recap, just to let you guys kind of know all the different things that go on. Uh, On Friday night when I got in, they actually had the Culture Freak, so they had Johnny Vomit. (laughs) Wow. So any guy by the name of Johnny Vomit, and you should look this guy up. He's with uh the Coney Island Freak Show and this guy really does like just some amazing, crazy, you know, he actually takes a light bulb and eats it. Wow. He swallows a sword. He actually takes a power drill <laughs> with a big long uh uh drill bit drill bit and he just puts it right up his nose and he's got this uh, whole routine down and I it's can't just watch like that. Oh, but it's right there where you're just like, wow. And he's he's such a great performer. It's just, it's like you're just on the edge of your seat. Like, no, he's not. Oh, he just did. Oh, 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 okay. I can't. I can't take my eyes away. You just you just kind of stunned there.
2: Oh, it's incredible!
1: And then of course, Bonnie with all of his uh, funness, he actually had like fried duck balls and some other fun stuff there. And uh, the kitchen was rocking out with some good food. And
2: how were the fried duck balls?
1: Oh, uh, they were good actually. They <laughs> is that were, like Rocky uh,
2: Mountain oysters uh,
1: just, from a duck. Just exactly, yeah, yeah. How so.
2: big is a duck ball?
1: Let me tell you, they they, they were bigger than I thought. <laughs> is <that> so right? <laughs> not that they go feeling around underneath a duck. You know? Sure, and but I use a lot of ducks. They're so. a smaller
2: bird. You don't expect uh, big balls.
1: Well, let's just say that there was some left over, and it was actually kind of fun to use in my menu because I did uh, a whole Cajun Creole twist, uh, you know, because uh, Bonnie had just gone to uh, New Orleans around Fat Tuesday, and uh, I uh, I, I was—I love— just the the Cajun the Creole food where it's spicy and it's layered and there's all these different flavors going on and the texture of things and uh, the ingredients that they use and so actually I use the duck balls in a dirty rice wow. I thought uh, duck balls and rabbit kidneys and uh, some chicken livers and a few other things uh, <laughs> Man. how else do you make a a dirty rice you know with duck balls that you sounds know, so that dirty enough fun, to me so. But we had a great time. It was really just a, a really fun event. We did a ten-course dinner, um, a lot of real crazy stuff. Uh, a few of the things that we did that I really enjoy. I do a, a Cajun prawn. So everybody does like a coconut, you know, coated prawn. I struggle with it half the time because I think that they're poorly done because either they're already pre-made, frozen, and they just pop them in the fryer. Uh, These, we actually took Pale 31, and we actually did that as a beer brine on the prawns. And so we use use like a large, so like the the 16 to 20s. So they're 16 or 20 to a pound, just to give you an idea on the sizing. Mm -hmm. And we shell them, and we leave the very tail piece on, and then we basically... Uh, kind of devein it and butterfly it all the way up to that last little segment on the shell and so it's almost looks like it has like two little legs like a cowboy or something and uh, make a special Cajun spice where it's just spicy enough and just uh, sweet enough and herby enough and oniony enough and it's just uh, this great melange of flavors and dredge it in that and then we put it into a Pale 31 beer batter and then into fresh coconut and put that right in the fryer and get it nice and So you kind of get the sweet on the outside and spicy on the inside, and then the prawn itself is kind of sweet. And we actually took uh, Firestone Walker's uh, DBA Mustard, which uh, is an awesome mustard. It has just enough pungency. It has just enough of the, the grain in it for the, the mustard seed, and then it also has that nice maltiness in the finish. I did that with some really nice apricot jam and uh, made this kind of fun sauce, a little malt vinegar and a few other things. And so you kind of get that tang, you get that uh, astringency of the mustard and that pungency, and then you get the sweetness of the coconut and everything else. And people who don't even like coconut are like, can I have another one of those? Right. <laughs> and uh, it was a great way to kind of start it off. We actually paired that with solace, so you get all that spicy, estery Things going on with that beer, and you know that nice clean malt finish and uh, refreshing kind of beer quality to it. So it's a great way to kind of start the meal off.
2: Sounds uh, good to me.
1: We also did. Uh, it was kind of fun. We took uh, pork belly. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of pork. And uh, we braised it in uh, DBA, and we actually uh, did some Cajun spices in there and some thyme and bay leaf and braised it for about six hours, about 250. So if you guys ever talk to your butchers, listen to The Butcher Show, go talk to your butcher, get some pork belly, braise it uh, real slow, 250, 225, depending on how long you want to go. And then uh, when it comes out, it's almost falling apart, and put a, like a, a smaller like casserole pan or something onto it and put some weight, like some cans or like a number 10-pound can that we get in the restaurant. Or you can actually use a brick since it's in a container. It's not touching the actual uh, meat. And put that into your fridge and let it cool, and it kind of presses, and it kind of squishes all the layers of fat and grease kind of out and makes a real nice, clean piece, and we um, trimmed it up, and uh, we took the trimmings and then also some of the pork, and we mixed that and actually ground it uh, into a meat grinder to get a nice coarse mélange of uh, pork, and we actually added uh, fresh lobster tail and fresh crawfish into that with a little bit of mirepoix. So we had some onions. Actually, I'm sorry, Trinity, which uh, is the New Orleans kind of style of mirepoix. So traditionally... Your mirapal. We've talked about this before, but it's onions, uh, celery, and carrots. Uh, but in the New Orleans style, it's uh, bell pepper, celery, and onions, and we sauté those together. Put that also through the grinder, and basically kind of mixed all that together and we put that into a sausage casing and actually made a sausage with lobster and crawfish and the pork belly.
2: That sounds great.
1: It was so tasty. Really fun. Uh, We did that over a kind of southern style cornbread that was made with DBA. And then we took uh, the Walker Reserve, which is our Firestones Porter. Yeah. And... uh, Which
2: I saw some just... Great prices on, by the way, at the BevMo today. Oh, yeah. It's like 5 bucks for the Walker's Reserve right now for a
1: 22-ounce. And it's a great beer. That's, That's usually
2: nice. like a 7 $8 beer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a little, deal. little plug for BevMo. You can get some good Firestone Walker deals right now.
1: For the... Little holiday up and coming yeah so um, but I used that with some roasted pecans and we actually made a porter gravy with that uh, pecan porter gravy so you got that kind of roastiness of the porter you got the nuttiness of the pecan you got the gravy so you got that texture all that flavor with the delicate lobster and the crawfish and the pork belly and then that DBA um, Cornbread, It was a really nice dish. A lot, a lot of great flavors on that one. And actually, uh, it was great because the double barrel ale uh, went up there 100% oaked, which is kind of a rarity up in Seattle. So they got their first taste of that, and I think they want more because it's a great beer. I love just pairing with that beer with all its flavors. Yum. We did all kinds of fun stuff. Though. We took alligator and sous vide and duck fat and bacon fat.
2: Now, where is all this one? This is all just at the...
1: Just at Brower's.
2: At Brower's. So this is at the Seattle Beer Week deal.
1: Yeah. So we'll actually be doing this again so uh i know uh several BN listeners were there and you guys were awesome it was great to see you guys and meet you and hang out with you again and uh just a lot of fun okay Um,
2: now beer weeks are kind of the thing to do right now everyone has one there's
1: 40 of them now
2: well and i think that the original one at least the one i heard about and the one that i that i've not been to but just sounds so good is yeah it's philly beer week so why don't you tell us about what you did with them
1: so that was a blast uh After Actually, a week after Seattle Beer Week, I'm in Philly for Philly Beer Week where it all started. And actually, Tom Peters and a whole bunch of other people, uh, Joe Sixpack and several other organizers, they all got together and were like, we need to do a beer week. And they really – I feel like I've been cheating on them. I mean, it's kind of funny to really think about it because I did like four beer weeks last year and I'm on – Scheduled this year to do at least five, if not six, if I decide to say yes to this other one. Mm. And um, really amazing, because uh, they get this thing called the Hammer of Glory. <laughs> okay. Now, yes, it's it's not Thor. <laughs> All right. Uh, I know that that was just in the theaters. But, I, I'll uh, tell you,
2: that without even knowing what it is yet, Paxton, it should be the name of one of your dishes. And if it's not yet, I think you glory. need to name something the Hammer of Glory. Trust what is me. it in reality? So
1: it's it's a reality. It's uh, If you go to my Facebook page or on Twitter, I have a pic of it because I was so excited to actually touch the Hammer of Glory because I've heard so much about it. It's a big, giant, like almost like uh, sledgehammer that they've made and cast, and it actually has the f- uh, Philly beer week logo on it and this big giant hammer and it's actually what the mayor of philly gets involved and he actually taps the first cask at the open opening ceremony and uh, like
2: oktoberfest that's what the mayor does in oktoberfest
1: yeah but they take it up another notch uh, the the hammer is uh on a time schedule and it makes its rounds around uh, the town and different events and uh it's on a very uh timely schedule where they actually uh it doesn't go in a cab, there's like, you know, little bicycle carts you know, and people with that and they actually had like a whole entourage team and and uh tightly fitted outfits uh female persuasion. And how and long the does the persuasion. whole thing take? Uh, oh, it's huge. It's like, you know, it comes in, they do this whole opening ceremony, which is probably about 20 minutes, and then wow. they kind of get some pictures with it, and then boom, it's off to the next event. I see. And it's like this whole progression, and it goes all the way around the week, and uh, uh, it pops up at different events, and you know people are all of a sudden holding the hammer of glory, and it's like, ooh, the party really started. It's, it's a great party because the hammer's here, and I like it. You know, when you're drinking and everything else, it's actually pretty cool. So. <laughs> yeah. but uh, a lot of great events happening at Philly Beer Week. Uh, Tom Peters is with uh, Monk's Cafe, and they had a whole bunch of great stuff. Uh, Tommy Arthur did a dinner there. Vinnie and Natalie actually did a dinner with uh, Chef Brian. Morton from uh, the Beer Bistro up in Toronto. So So,
2: Tommy Arthur's with Port Brewing Company, is that right? And Vinnie and Natalie, Russian River Brewing Company. Russian River, sorry. So they had events going on, too. At uh, Philly
1: Beer... Or uh, with... I mean it was actually they had 750 events in 10 days that's incredible just to give you an idea and some places were doing events 2-3 times a day and it was just uh, anything and everything you know they, they actually have an iPhone app uh, I know that for SF Beer Week we have that too but uh, just to upload it it took forever on my phone and because no,
2: 750 events is just ridiculous I mean what, who the, what the
1: I was doing like 4 or 5 a day Yeah, and I can't then prepping too it was Kind of craziness, but uh, that's oh, crazy. So much fun. Because I do like I half an
2: event a day.
1: Half an event. <laughs>
2: that's what <laughs> I can here. handle now. I made
1: an day. appearance. And now I have to make a half a pint. Now I need a nap. I need a nap. I need to get my walker. That's a lot of events. But this is what's great is is that the city of Philly actually supports this. They actually make this happen. They actually uh sponsor it and uh they get some great names in. I mean there was everybody was there. You know, David Walker was there, he did some different events, uh Brian Grossman from Sierra Nevada was there. Okay. Uh Vinnie Natalie They did a whole bunch of different things. Um, Sam from Dogfish, we actually did an event together. But really just uh, crazy, crazy times. And uh, all these different uh, beer bars had different beers that were special. Uh, I went actually to one event with the shoots where uh, Larry Sodar, their brewmaster, did a whole Beer dinner with uh, Abyss and their porter and all kinds of stuff. They did like a soft shell crab with their porter and the hop in the dark. Uh, it was a real fun course. Went over to. Um, what did you do, Paxton? So I did actually uh, punk rock and finger sandwiches.
2: Really? What is that?
1: So uh, good old Sam from Dogfish, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Brewmaster's uh, Discovery tv show uh he contacted me he's like i want to do something with you for philly beer week and so we're talking way back in like i don't know it's february march and uh he's like i want to do something crazy with you i'm like okay what do you want to do he's like let's do old school i'm like okay what does old school mean he's like punk rock (laughs) okay (laughs) like punk rock okay and finger sandwiches i'm like. Do I have to use a doily? <laughs> right. And we did. Uh, you did
2: have to use a doily.
1: <laughs> which I was happy to because, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. That's, <laughs> All right. That's my kind of thing. So we actually, uh, Head Brewery there, uh, kind of old town, uh, Kurt Decker and uh, Gordon Grubb were just great hosts. And uh, we just had this cellar event where there's about 100 people, uh, a whole bunch of beginners were there as well. Had just a blast. Actually, Chet's dad showed up.
2: Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Mosier
1: himself. Mr. Mosier showed up, so that was kind of fun. That's cool. So we just did this really crazy menu where it was a lunchtime event, which that was kind of a first for me. And uh, But what was great about it is we just did like eight different courses, and they were all your classic sandwiches. So I started out actually with 20 different sandwich ideas, pared it down to about Eight. And then with those eight, I used uh, both the nodding head beers and the dogfish head beers. And Sam had all these crazy, you know, three year old uh, 120 IPAs. And he had, uh, it was a, a six year old Fort, which is the raspberry beer. Okay. And that's 18%. Uh, he had a four year old bottle of the. Um, a worldwide stout. So he really went deep in his cellar and got some really cool stuff. And we had this DJ, man, and he really knew his punk rock. I mean, he had vinyl out there and he was just seven seconds to... uh, So everyone's just standing
2: around listening to punk rock with finger sandwiches and and amazing beer.
1: And great beers that was paired with each course. And so this little tiny kitchen, and I'm not kidding you, man. I mean, this thing was like the size of your closet. I mean, it was... Okay. 3 buck kitchen was... uh, Giving it loosely, and uh, we put over 900 sandwiches out of this little tiny and kitchen.
2: Each course, when you say each course, that was a different sandwich. Yeah, so we did. Okay.
1: It, it was about three hours long, and we did all these just crazy sandwiches out the door. And each sandwich was paired with a different beer. So the bar was pouring different beers, and like you know, I did a. Uh,
2: I would love this event.
1: It, it was actually it was. Uh, Everybody who was there was like, this is the event. Right. It was really a blast. There's actually some YouTube video on the extra content. Okay, Uh, cool. But uh, we took... Hazelnuts and I roasted them up and uh, made a peanut butter with their grog which is kind of like a an alt style beer, real malty, and it really added this extra depth to kind of like basically peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly is you know one thing I always think about when you think of a sandwich and and uh, Sam was like no I really you know so I, I always try to like fit in a course or or uh, a meal where you know the people the brewers involved have some kind of vested interest into it and and to really make it something special for everybody else to kind of get a glimpse of you know what makes them tick memories uh, nostalgia all those other little things that we can play with the chef and not just the food end and the beer end but actually the memories and actually yeah. creating that memory and uh, so we took uh that peanut butter with the hazelnuts and we actually took the black and blue which was actually another 6 I think it was either 5 or 6 years old I have to double check and uh, actually made that into a beer jelly put that on brioche and we actually paired that with uh Nodding heads uh Linear vice, you know, at three and a half percent, and it was just this really nice way to start. And then the second course, just to really mix it up with that whole punk idea, is we took a BLT, you know, bacon, lettuce, tomato. I mean, how can you deconstruct a BLT with beer? But uh, I took uh, pork belly, and kind of like what we did for um, Seattle Beer Week, but I took uh, the 60-shilling ale from Nottinghead, and it was kind of neat because that beer is so malty and rich, little hints of peat smoke to it and uh slowly braised that and again pressed it and then we uh took the braising liquid after it was cooked and uh reduced that a little bit and actually made that into an aioli like a mayonnaise Mm -hmm. and uh this is another sandwich for sam and uh he loves blt on rye so i took rye bread and then uh did slow roasted tomatoes that i basically roasted Overnight, so they kind of almost evaporate the the liquid, and kind of makes it a little bit sweeter. But you also get that acid in there with the tomatoes, and then I took arugula and uh, pureed it up with some oregano and Italian leaf parsley to kind of play up the hop flavors, and actually added. A- Amarillo hot pellets Just so I can kind of get it In the very back of your palate So you know when you Drink an IPA And you kind of get that Back You know Bitterness in the back Of your mouth Yeah So that's what I wanted to Recreate with the This pesto I put a little bit of Roasted garlic in there To add a little bit of Sweetness uh, A little salt and pepper So pretty straightforward Pretty clean, you know. I I use the term pesto loosely since there wasn't any cheese or pine nuts or anything else. Uh, no but basil. But then you
2: actually put
1: uh, hops, hot pellets, hot into pellets it in that just kind of break up with the food processor. Is your a lot of hot pellets or just enough? Uh, you know, talking for, an ounce here. No, no, oh, no, no, no that would be no, insane, no. right? Like two tablespoons or so in okay. like a quart to half gallon size. So. Okay. Just a little bit goes a long way, and just you know, puree it in. Let let it sit for a minute, taste it, kind of go back and forth. And so, if you think about it, we got this braised pork belly, right? We got the rye bread, so you got that great flavor and texture of the bread. You got this aioli that kind of has some of those braising liquids in there, and then you got this pesto, you know, this arugula, you know, amarillo pesto over the top, and then you got these sweet. Uh, acid tomatoes on top of that. But think about, you know, when you eat a BLT, right? The bacon is your crunch. And yeah. so Now I've taken that whole crunch factor out because I braised it. So I took some uh, uh, Japanese-style breadcrumbs called panko. Um, you can just use regular breadcrumbs and basically just olive oil and butter 50-50 blend and uh, toasted off the breadcrumbs. Just a little nice golden brown. Sprinkle those on top to get that texture back in. We actually paired this with, uh, as a second course, with the 120 uh, from Dogfish as their IPA, which is big, huge malt bomb and hop bomb. And so that malt with the belly and then the hop with the pesto, it was like the perfect. Pairing it was. Sounds I was so great. pleased at how well that turned out.
2: I could eat several of those right now. That it was awesome. just
1: a blast, and it really shows you, like you know, kind of the thought process that went into the dish and the whole event, and you know, basically, we, we did this for eight different courses. We did a Cubano, we did a Reuben. The Reuben was off the hook. Anybody okay. who was there that talked about it, it was the Reuben. Wow. We did a uh, Palo like- Santo uh, beer brine uh, for about seven days on the brisket, and then we actually smoked it. Uh, For those of you who watched his show on the Discovery Network, uh, he had a surfboard company from Maine that did cedar. So I was actually able to get some of that cedar wood and also the Palo Santo wood and actually smoked the brisket after it had been cured like a pastrami for uh, about six, seven days. And we smoked it for 18 hours. Wow. Just using that wood. And it was just, uh, it was actually kind of funny because the kitchen stuff was like, oh man, I'm sorry, I burned it. I'm like, no, it's perfect. Right. I'm like, no, it looks no, no, no. I'm like, no, really, taste it. And they're like, oh my God, people are having an orgasm just by just one little bite of this stuff. It was awesome. so much fun. And we chopped that up and we used that for, you know, the the Reuben. I mean, it was just off the hook. Lots of fun stuff.
2: Well, the whole event sounds good. I'm sorry that I, I missed that. Uh, I think you'll have to do one of those again because it just sounds great. Well, it's
1: actually funny. There might be a uh, uh, repeat. Re- Performance. Uh, we're in talks about doing something. So great, uh, really great stuff.
2: All right, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the National Homebrewers Conference and the Grand Banquet. Which you, how many people did you feed at the Grand Banquet alone?
1: Oh, that was just another fifteen hundred.
2: <laughs> More from the Homebrewed Chef when we come back. Right after this, Pintley is your personal beer connoisseur,
4: and you don't even have to leave a tip. Pintely.com learns your taste in beer. Create a free account today and start by rating a few beers. In just a couple of clicks, Pintly will get to know you and your personal preferences. You won't believe how accurate Pintley's amazing algorithm can be as it learns what pleases your palate most. Personal beer recommendations, tasting notes, and now their new app for your Android or iPhone smartphone. Pintely also gives away incredible prizes each month. Prizes like free craft beer for a year. Visit Pintely.com right now to see how it works or to create your own free account. Pintly, a new kind of beer website that only recommends beer you're sure to love. Pintly.com.
0: When you. Your Blickman engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator wort chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps home brewers face every day. The brew a brilliant weldless thermometer. Design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The auto sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at blickmanengineering.com and stay
2: on the cutting edge. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network,
1: I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine.
5: Greetings,
0: cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. your way to better homebrew now back to the show that turns food into oh my god it's the homebrewed chef with sean paxton
2: are you hungry yet i am hungry and thirsty i'm running out of beer in this house it's ridiculous what the hell i had to go digging in
1: the back of the fridge the back of the fridge, not the front, the back.
2: But I found like a 2008 Bourbon Country brand stout Ooh, that's been Goose in the fridge since the whole time, so uh. give it a shot. So we were all at the National Homebrewers Conference together down there. What a year it was. like all it was.
1: 1,900 people. Man. That is amazing.
2: It was really great. Uh, Just such a good event. I always like it. And this year in particular was a lot of fun.
1: Wasn't it just, I mean, it seemed so smooth. Not that last year or the year before sucked. I mean, this was just like, it was just, it seemed like just the groove and the energy and people were so excited.
2: The drugs. That's probably what it was. (laughs)
1: Nothing like the
2: drugs. Now, San Diego's just a great place to have an event like that. The facilities were nice, and the organizing committee that put it on this year just really seemed to have it together. So, I I enjoyed every minute of it, except for maybe about five minutes when I was hung over on day four. But other than you that, just the whole hung thing,
1: over on day four. Yeah, the rest Do of a time were I was doing okay. it right. <laughs>
2: So it was a good time, and um, I, I, if, if you don't mind, I'll just take a quick moment to sure. uh, give a shout-out and congratulate the Brewing Network uh, Homebrew Club for winning Club of the Year this year. So that's not us, but that is our listeners who uh, you know, consider the Brewing Network their club. They enter beers that way, and they won enough medals this year to beat out every other club in the country and become Club of the Year. So congratulations to you guys out there who brewed great beer and won medals for it.
1: But Congratulations to you for bringing everybody together.
2: Well, thanks, man. That's the point, is the community. That's why we do it. So it is, I will say that it, it was a very proud moment for me to see it because it, it is a, a reflection of the community that we built. So
1: It is pretty amazing. I like that. No, it was really neat to see just uh, the people who had entered, and they were, you know, people winning medals, and the Brewing Network was their club, and they were up there just proud as could be, and whether they live in a place where there isn't a club, or they don't want to be affiliated with that club, and they just want to do their own thing, and it was really awesome.
2: Well, and we cheered, JP and I cheered for every one of them. Well, we cheered for everybody, like we always do. I love seeing homebrewers, um, any homebrewer, I love seeing homebrewers get rewarded for their work and for their passion, so I cheer for everybody. I get teary for everybody who's ever won, like, a gold medal. I don't know why. It's just I know what it means to them.
1: Well, how hard they worked. And, I mean, yeah. you know, making a beer isn't just like a two-day process. I mean, it's it's a lot of time and a lot of effort and the craft. And-
2: well, and to get to the point where you're winning a gold medal at the national level, you're not talking about one batch of beer. You're talking about years of learning and 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 refining your process and figuring out what your system can and can't do. and. That's the kind of thing that I just uh, really enjoy seeing. So I just wanted to congratulate the Brewing Network. I w- congratulate everybody who won a medal, but uh, our club, uh, they rocked it, man.
1: You have a nice little trophy in your
2: house. I do. Yeah, we've got. I had it in the studio yesterday, but now I got it out back in the living room. But yeah, we, we keep it for a year. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to. In fact, I only have it here because none it's, of our club members could, could carry They were all flying back to where they, uh, they come from. I
1: wondered about that.
2: So I said, well, I'm driving home, but but uh, Beardy, as we call him. Oh, man, what a beard. Warren. That is uh, a
1: beautiful beard.
2: Well, he's got just the greatest beard, and he won us uh, several medals to, to he help did. get the points. So we gave him the plaque. Uh, it, it was small enough to go in his bag home. He's actually moving to Santa Cruz, California, and oh. I told him as soon as he gets here, I will deliver the trophy to him because it's their trophy so uh, he just can't lose it he can't lose it and he either has to go to seattle uh w- for the next national homers conference to Walmart. bring it or i'll have to go get it and
1: bring it with us love seattle yeah i think uh, 2012 is gonna rock in seattle right no but it was great i mean to have 1900 people there uh, the awards banquet we had over 50 or just about 1500
2: so how many plates of, if 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 you know that 1500 tickets have been sold how many plates of food do you really make? Because you expect more, don't you?
1: Well, here's the thing, actually, is you actually have to always make more because even though, like, uh, the AHA sent out some emails asking, you know, any vegetarians or food allergies and whatnot, and I had about eight different people. Uh, I, so th- think about this on the big scale, right? So we're making food for $1,500. we are doing a three-course meal, so that's 4,500 plates worth of food, okay? Out of that, we have people who can't eat onions, we have people who are allergic to dairy. We have people who are allergic to nuts.
2: Well, then you don't go to a banquet is what I figure. No,
1: you contact me ahead of time, and I actually make you, you something that, really. special. So That's we amazing. had, you are nicer than me. I made a mole without onions and without nuts for those people. Um, we had some people who uh, were allergic to, to milk and dairy, so we left off the goat cheese off the salad. Everything else was there. Uh, a few people were vegan, and we actually did a roasted pepper for the vegetables. Vegetarians that actually ended up being vegan as well. Where we took, um,
2: I tasted some of that actually because we oh, had some of them vegans at our table. Some of them, vegans? some of them vegans. I think it was Nate and Nicole, wasn't it? Nate and Nicole Smith, yeah. Nate Smith and Nicole Ernie. But and, you
1: know, she'll always put my sausage in her mouth. So <laughs> I know that that sounds wrong, <laughs> but it's so right. But it's so right. I want to say uh, uh, that that um, hi JP, dish where did you come from? I'm wow, here, man, I'm here. Uh, that vegan dish uh, I kind of liked a little better.
2: Yeah, that was your then favorite dish. dish, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I wanted not, to give not, it
1: something really special, and here's the thing: that's is good. that if you can get you know that many people in one room, I want everybody to just have a great time, and I'm not going to pick favorites. I'm not going to do anything else, but I really want everybody to have the best meal that they possibly can. I mean, that's my goal as a chef. That's my goal as an organizer on that. Particular component of the event, and um, anytime I can make people walk away, both like, how the hell did they just do that? It just yeah. makes me just giddy.
2: Well, you did that, and I can imagine you did it more for those who got special plates and didn't think they could get that.
1: Well, it's a different, it's a different flavor, and and, and here's my take on it: is that the
4: the vegetables, the fresh of the vegetables, they're, they're not as overpowering as a meat, so you get a lot more uh,
1: of the ingredients, a lot, lot more of the beer, a lot more of the texture. Um, and I purposely played with that, too, because to make awesome. that pairing as well, because I'm not having a special beer pair poured for them as well, when you stop and think about, you know, mm, Rogue yes. Ales actually donated, you know, 236 cases of beer just for the table. I yeah, they did cookie, it up
2: for us this year, didn't they, JP? In, right. in the past, huge. we've had to go around and, and uh, scrounge up beer from other tables. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but this year, there is more than enough beer for everybody. Yeah,
1: great. So between Gary Glass and Bradley and... and uh, we talked about that. We actually even got a special beer for uh, Younger's Bitter, which uh, was a 7-ounce beer for everybody. So 1,500 bottles of that were also delivered. And uh, that was for um, good old uh, Younger, yeah. you know, who um, getting all teary here. But uh, great guy. And I just look at what he did out of that horse brass and with Newell and and all the other things that he was involved in. And just revolutionary i mean you know what he did for the industry and the community and to make a beer in his honor and then toast him i thought was really cool it was classy uh,
2: it was very nice to do
1: i really i hats off to rogue for all the beer because that's a lot of beer i mean you know and this is all free all donated
2: yeah and it's not cheap to
1: do uh you know because the the price constraints i mean when you look at a three-course meal i mean there was like 29 servers that were running around that room. I mean, they were not walking, they were running around that room. Yeah. And they had it honed down. And, uh, you know, with the kitchen staff too, you know, we had about 15 people back there and they were busting the hump. They were doing over 150 plates per hour. Uh, and then we had, and that was per line. So we had three different lines working and we actually got ahead of ourselves, which is kind of cool. It means you can. <clears throat> really pump it out there but uh, yeah. so to do all this for the vegetarians and, and, and I really enjoyed the concept of the roasted chili the uh, grilled poblano uh, with the uh, portobello mushroom the two different kinds of zucchini we had black beans we had grated carrot that I left raw to give a little bit more texture that would cook into it uh, I put in some oregano some cumin some coriander a little bit of chipotle and then added in some chocolate from Cho Chocolate and uh, just to kind of use as a binder since I didn't use any cheese and then with the chocolate mole over the top of that, That I kept vegetarian, I wanted to use lard and a few other things just to fry it up but I used all vegetable oil and uh, didn't add anything, you know instead of using like uh, chicken stock or turkey stock which is traditional I actually used uh, the rogue chocolate stout with Sebi's beautiful little picture on that label and uh, used a whole keg of that uh, just to make the mole mm. so
2: yum the mole was great it yeah, was, it was it, fun it I mean, was
1: real nice just to give you guys an idea it was uh we made 35 gallons of mole so all you home brewers out there with the five gallon buckets do the math yeah and that's the finished product so that's not what we started with that was a finished product so and did, you,
2: did you use every bit of it
1: oh just enough yeah uh, i made a little extra just in case okay because you know just in case something spills Because if something spills, you're out of luck if you don't have any extra. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And uh, also, I wanted to take a little home. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay, a lot home. But uh, what was great, though, is so we used five different kinds of chilies and eight pounds of each chili, just to give you an idea. So we had two guys just prepping chilies all day. And they would take the chilies, and they got... I mean, the town and country did a great job, and Chef uh, D- Daryl Furr from uh, the town and country there, the banquet chef, he was just a real joy to work with in their purchasing department because I gave them a pretty eclectic list, and I was not expecting at all to c- come in, let alone be able to be found, let alone to be fresh, <laughs> and it was really awesome. Wow. The chilies were just screaming. I mean, they were just perfect. I mean... Anytime you use a chili that's been dried, it should not break. It should be like almost like leather. It should be soft and pliable, and uh, makes a lot more work. By the way, so you have to use like shears or scissors. Cut off the stem, open it up, and then you take out actually the 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 seeds and also the ribs that are on the inside because that's where all the heat is. And here's the trick, right? When you're using you know thirty two pounds, uh, almost forty pounds of chilies, you're talking. Um, a lot of heat, and how do you make sure that you balance it, and then also everybody's taste buds, right? I mean, to have fifteen hundred people eating the same sauce and having it just spicy enough, and all the layers and the complexity, and to really nail that was really my biggest stress of the whole week. It took eleven hours just to make this mole. Wow! Well, so these, you
2: did nail it, though. You know, I'm a big sissy when it comes to spicy food. You're a big sissy, and you. It was just spicy enough. Just I mean, right it was- when
1: it got there, and you like.
2: It was oh. hot, yeah. Right when you're just about to go, oh, it's gonna get hot. It's gonna be, you know, then it stopped. It yeah. it, it backed off, and, and then you get could, some
1: other layers.
2: And you could have a sip of beer. You could get some other layers. You you well, really did well with it.
1: And that that porter, the the mocha porter from Rogue, is as the the. The, the pairing, pairing yeah. it, it added just enough of that smoothing like cooling effect to the dish Yeah, but yet it also quenched your thirst but yet it also enhanced the flavors of the mole in a different way which it, i thought it was, was really great. fun and then we did the uh the chipotle ale so i actually used 3 kegs so 45 gallons of just that beer along with a whole bunch of honey and orange juice and 30 pounds of salt and uh Uh, what was it, uh, 12 gallons of honey. So for all you mead makers out there, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that was just for the beer brine. So we cooked all that up, chilled it all down. Then we put in uh, 1,500 chicken breast, actually just just over 1,500, and then also uh, the thigh, which is a little bit more traditional. But I wanted not just to use the breast but also the thigh and give everybody a good portion because, you know, there's a lot of beer being, you know, it was a great and,
2: portion. It, having the two uh, and and the two different pieces of chicken yeah. really made it for me.
1: Because and, also, the texture and the flavor, and you know, because the thighs are always overlooked. You know, I I like the thigh.
2: It was good, and it, both of them. Now, I wanted to kind of dumb this down a little bit too, because maybe others think this is easy, but I don't think it's easy. And in fact, on that scale, I think you had talked to me <laughs> the year before that. It's real tough when the banquets ask you to use chicken because on that scale it's just easy to dry out. This chicken was so moist and, and the texture was just the soft flavor. enough and right. The flavor was bursting out of it. It was Probably the best chicken I've ever eaten.
1: And which is hard to do when you have 1,500 people. Right. So I'm ama- I am don't know how
2: you got it to stay so moist and, and not dry out when you're doing that. So is it just brine?
1: M- magic m- mash stick. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> but it has to be, I mean, this. how long is it in this brine? Two days, a day? Uh, I just do a
1: day because it's not a huge, it's a six ounce ch- chicken breast, leave the skin on like we talked about. Skin on, okay. Which really helps too. And uh, in that brining process and there's actually like a beer brine turkey recipe and also a beer brine chicken recipe on my website. And you can use both of those and you can use bone in, boneless. Um, I like to usually use the bone in because it actually keeps a little bit more flavor and the bone helps. Um, But with this many people and knives and, you know, I don't want to worry about people choking and, you know, because (laughs) they're not paying attention and, you know. Good move. (laughs) yeah somebody 's down on table one hundred and forty two you know right <laughs> that would not be good so, so all
2: boneless here all boneless and, okay and then
1: uh, we had uh, a dead guy ale rice underneath it, but um, we brined it for uh twenty four hours then we remove it from the brine and uh, so, I mean, you start to think about how many containers and how many shelving racks that we use just to keep this all refrigerated overnight. And and uh, so that's the biggest trick right there is to work with the kitchen to see what kind of equipment that they have and how we can do this. Because, you know, we use a big giant steam kettle and make 60 plus gallons of the brine and then chill it down. So that has to be dropped down to like 34, 35 degrees. And then from there, we... Uh, put everything into containers and then pour the brine all over the top, mix it up every 12 hours Mm. so it's real even. And then at that point we'll uh, take it out, dry it, and that's a real critical component where, you know, we kind of let it air dry on sheet trays uh, like your cookie sheet trays, but big giant ones, and we have a rack on it. So actually it's not sitting directly on the sheet tray. So actually the air movement can move around, and it kind of forms a little bit of a – pellicle, a little bit different than your lambics and stuff, but it kind of allows it to kind of roast up and crisp up and we actually, at that point, we just... You do
2: that in the fridge, right?
1: In the fridge. Okay. Or about 12 hours. Okay. And then uh, we take these pieces of chicken and we actually sear them really quick on a really hot grill, skin side, to actually get some nice marks and some caramelization because you want that maillard reaction you want that caramelization of the skin and those proteins to really get that texture and that flavor because since you know there's no barbecue big enough to actually do it all at once right? and just do it right out the door you know? yeah, okay. so this is something that we actually start early in the morning and so the, the meat is still raw at this point pop it back on those trays, and then they have what they call a speed rack, which is these big giant racks that have uh, four wheels on casters, and the sheet trays just can stack up really high, and there's like 20 of them. So, I mean, we're talking just a ton of sheet trays. And at this point, we basically, everything's ready. So the rice is cooked. So we did like uh, 46 gallons of just raw rice. That's a lot of rice, But that's a three-ounce portion per person for yeah. 150 people, or 1,500 people, not 150, but 1,500 people. Got plenty. And then... Uh because that's the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, you have to make sure. So, like, when you look at your tray, how full it is, how many portions you can get out of each tray, and then you kind of multiply it out. And it's pretty tricky, you know, on the math side because it's not just, like, multiplying everything up because there's all these different factors with each thing. And then, you know, I mean, we used uh, 15 gallons of beer and another 9 gallons of vegetable stock in that just to make the rice. And so, basically, we have a line where one guy puts the rice down and then the next guy puts the chicken down and we are cooking the the chicken they had four seven or uh, 18 ovens that are just there for the banquets and so basically we're doing rotations of the chicken would take uh about 22 minutes there about and we'd have to switch it Rotate it around, and I had my te- temperature probe, and I would be right there with them. Du- just double-checking to make sure that you know it won't go any higher than 165 because that's when it starts to get tough and dried out. I mean, anything you know, 170, 180, it starts to be too high, and that's mm-hmm. the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's also why we're doing the brine to make sure that that osmosis has flavored the chicken all the way through. It's also going to give us that buffer of 10 degrees. And uh so it's not all cooked at once, it's cooked in batches because we can only go through so much on the plate at once and that way it's keeping it fresher and then we're also So you would doing take the
2: first batch out and plate it. And start delivering it to the tables as the second no, match goes actually, in. Not even then.
1: Everything is actually done before anybody even was walking in the door to the banquet. I see. So this is where it's again, it's it's uh, the science Tricky. and the yeah. technology. Uh, I should do a show on this. It'd be really fun because mm-hmm. there's so many ins and outs that you guys never see or yeah. even understand. Because if you think about it there's so many like things it's not like your standard kitchen it's not like you know you put your order the server puts it in the computer or brings that you know that ticket back to the kitchen and then they fire it and then they make it and 20 minutes later it comes out or 30 minutes later it comes out and that's the real trick with this whole thing is how do you make it where everybody has a nice juicy piece of ch- you know chicken and i mean just even to get 1500 plates out and actually after you've cleared the first course so this is only the second course yeah and uh you know to do this where you know everything's going to be nice moist and juicy so that's one of the reasons why i went with the mole um you know i could have used some different sauces and you know i really wanted to do you know the whole theme being last year you know in minnesota we kind of did a more of a scandinavian mix with the the uh lingonberry and the the um, red ale um sauce that went over the chicken on that one and this one i really wanted to go south of the border and mexico and mexican cuisine and so you know i took this mole recipe and uh tweaked it but uh diane kennedy who's known as like the the juliet child of mexican cuisine she's just a phenomenal lady she's in her uh I think, 93? Wow. I mean, she's just... But she's so passionate. She's just such a, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, her recipe was just a t- real treat to make. I mean, it was really a joy. And... uh I mean, again, 11 hours just to make that sauce. But that yeah. sauce, it's thick enough and it's, it's um, uh, dense enough that it's not just going to ooze all over the plate. It's actually going to hold its shape on top of the chicken. And we actually have it boiling hot in a big giant steam kettle that holds about 80 gallons. And we ladle this over the top. And in that process, that's also going to keep it nice and hot. And then they put a, a lid on it and they stack them about, I think, six, seven high Per shelf in these uh, warming units that they oh, okay. plug in and the plates are already preheated, so there's no degradation of heat, everything's right where it needs to be, and then at that point it's a sealed environment uh, they kind of keep a little bit of water in there too, so it's a moist dry it's not a dry heat it 's a moist heat, and it's just sitting there ready to go and the first course we've already made that morning, which is just a salad mm-hmm. and it's not dressed. we have the salad dressing on the table because logistically that would be just be a nightmare if we did it any other way. Yeah. And so that's already done. And same with the dessert. We did that hot flan, and that was actually all done, all plated, ready to go. So by 6 o'clock, pretty much everything is just like, okay, and now it's just time to plate. So all the food's made, and at that point, we're just putting it all on plates.
2: So that's how you're able to be out there eating with us.
1: It's a trip, actually, (laughs) because there's very few menus, and it's usually just these, that I'm actually able to hang out with you guys Yeah, and, and uh get up and talk about everything and, you know, I like it. enjoy the food at the same time.
2: Well, the whole experience was wonderful. It was, uh, yeah, like I How was that said, flan? Uh, I had so
1: many people come up to me, and they were like, that flan changed my life.
2: Oh, it was great, especially because flan sucks, let's face it. I hate flan. <laughs> but that was a really flan. good flan, man. I even looked at it and went, like I normally do, I'm not going to eat that. But then, like I've learned Fascinated. to do. Yeah, that's what I've learned to do now. I go, well, most of the things I hate, that Paxton. If Paxton does it, there's not. It'll be fine. Like like with fish, for example. So uh, I went for it, and it was really good. Uh, I finished it. It was very nice. Well, the that's whole what was fun though, was a lot because of
1: fun. even to, to take something as as basic as the end of your brew day, as every home brewer knows, or every brewer knows, you take that gravity sample of your, you know, test tube of your wort. And before you know, you pitch the yeast and, and you take a swig of that sample. You know, I, I did And it tasted time.
2: like that. It tasted like a really good sweet wort with a little was... bitterness in there, just like your wort tastes.
1: So, they actually use like, you know, cascade hops and, and uh, basically do like a big giant tea bag and actually okay. uh, uh, infuse uh, 26 and a half gallons of cream and 12 gallons of milk and uh, 500 uh, egg yolks and 60 dozen eggs and
2: does someone sit there and crack 500 eggs
1: uh there was 3 people checking eggs and wow. usually they get like it's a pre-done mix and in, the in- in a bucket that you can oh. get and it's like each cup has x number of eggs in it but not and, this time uh, no they actually i'm like are you kidding me wow okay you guys have fun now I'll see you <laughs> yeah, a little bit yeah i
2: got some <laughs> seminars to go to
1: no actually no i was in the kitchen i only went to my seminar i felt okay. really bad i was trying to hit uh drew's on say and i missed that one and i uh-huh. wanted to hit randy's and i missed that one and i actually did go to the uh the keynote, though, with Vinny, that was really fun. Ah, uh, so, nice, yeah. But yeah, to, to do the Cascade Hop, so you got that bitterness in the cream that balanced out the malt caramel. It was really kind of a fun dish and a great way to end it, especially, uh, I thought it was pretty ballsy to do an IPA uh, pairing with dessert. It worked. But it worked.
2: Yeah, because it's, you know, thick on your on the palate, and Cleanse it... blends. it. Yeah. So, it worked. It was just a great dinner. You did a good job. Well, thanks, Ben. We got to get to another break, and we've got we more do. to do
1: today. But real quick, the, these recipes—I know a lot of you have asked. I've gotten tons and tons of emails. Um, they're going to be on the AHA website shortly. I'm just—I uh, had some computer issues earlier this week, and uh, those are all now solved. My RAID is back up, and I didn't lose anything. And uh, all the pictures will be processed, so we can actually get all that stuff up online. So you guys will be able to actually make this stuff at home.
2: Great. And that's homebrewersassociation.org. You can go check it out there. And uh, Okay. Also, uh, as always, some of the stuff will be on our uh, food and beer blog. It always goes uh, along with the show. It's all the extra content from this, so you can find it over there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we got our style spotlight, some more upcoming dinners and events, and more with Sean Paxton after this.
4: In a world where everything has been lost, the city it's in ruins only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization Uh, i need a drink
0: oh no the liquor store has been ransacked
4: you looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over. Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to Arrowroot Tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People,
0: I'm a home brewer.
4: I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, oh, it can't be done.
0: Come with me if you want the beer.
4: Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators to- of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you 7.99 dollars brew saver shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes...
3: downtown joe's located in the historic oberon building in beautiful downtown napa california offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8 30 a.m to 1 a.m every day for 15 years at the corner of 2nd and maine downtown joe's has been voted best night spot seven times and best brew pub for the last four years in a row brewmaster colin kaminsky's handcrafted ales like his tail wagon amber ale and double secret probation ipa are the perfect accent to river side dining live music and a relaxing outdoor patio don't miss the beer of the month special rotating taps and the bn army members special wear your bn gear get 10 percent off your beer visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations peruse their extensive calendar of events or just read more about their fantastic beers come enjoy the fine beer food and music downtown joe's the award winning brew pub where you'll feel at home BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And HopTech not only carries Y-Yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 0456233 and T-58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's, Nottingham, and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount. And active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com.
2: This is Matt Brennelson from Firestone Walker Brewing Company in Paso Robles, California, and you're listening to The Homebrewed Chef. All right, welcome back to the program, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us, and thanks to our sponsors, Cicerone and Firestone Walker.
1: Speaking of Firestone, congratulations to Matt.
2: Yeah, he just got married, their, their brewmaster. What a wonderful wedding. Yep. Is his new bride uh, Allison's just a wonderful woman, and uh, they're off on a
1: honeymoon right now, having a good time. They are; they're having way too much fun, I'm sure. Congrats to Matt, big time!
2: All right, what's going on, Pax? So you got some upcoming stuff.
1: Well, JP had a question, real quick. Okay, what was I question? do have a question? It's about uh, brining at home. For me, brining is a pain in the butt. I don't really like uh, getting the brine together, but I like the results. So I'm wondering. I buy a lot of those uh, prepackaged chicken breasts from like Trader Joe's or Costco or whatever. <laughs> Um, can I just brine them all at
4: once and then refreeze them and then pull them out as I as I need them Well
1: first thing you said was refreeze never refreeze oh. so if you're gonna thaw do not refreeze okay uh, you start to really mess with the uh, the protein and the the cell structure and start to really break things down because in the freezing process you get that excuse me that moisture that uh, you know it's it's uh, the water forms an ice crystal and that crystal Think of it like a knife, like an edge of a mm-hmm. knife, and they actually start to cut things. And if you do it multiple times, it kind of becomes watery and okay. not as delicate and juicy as it could be. Um, but yeah, you can brine a whole bunch of stuff together. So if it's all fresh, yeah, do that. And actually, I really recommend too, especially like with Trader Joe's and stuff, a lot of times they'll pre-brine stuff for you. Yeah. So look at that because actually you're starting to pay the $4 or $5 a pound for salt. That's right. So yeah. think about that because you're actually getting less and paying for more. So because uh, the weight's actually – the salt will actually hold on to more water. So you're actually paying for water that's a lot more expensive than just doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. But you can do a batch of brine. Recipes are on my website, homebrewchef.com. And – uh you could do a whole bunch at once, and then if you have, like, a seal-a-meal, you could do it that way. Um, okay. You could also do it in the freezer, um, but, you know, get as much of the air out of those packages as possible, so that way you don't have to worry about freezer burn. Okay. But start fresh. And date them all, label them all. Start fresh. That's the key. Okay. So, and that'll be a great way to do it, because it really will improve your chicken and flavor, you know, outside right. of using a free-range, organic, local... Nonsense. Chicken by the name of Rusty, and, you know, so... <laughs>
2: All right. All right. Thanks, man.
1: So, yeah. There you go.
2: All right, Pax. Tell us what's coming
1: up next. So, uh, for those of you who might be in the Portland area, uh, next month, uh, July 28th, uh, the day before OBF starts, uh, Alan Sprints and I from Hair of the Dog, we're going to be doing a fun little dinner. It's going to be real small, so tickets are going to go real quick. Uh, contact Hair of the Dog. They have a new... Uh, brew pub and i'm really excited to go visit it i saw it way before it was ever opened and before i could even talk about it and so i'm really excited to see the finished product i'm huge fan of alan and hair the dog and all those great beers he does and gonna be a lot of fun i love that guy so great so we do that and uh fun little dinner uh after that in uh august i'm still figuring that one out we have a few different things i'm trying to schedule in there, but uh, for September, we have the National, or the Northern California Home Brew Festival. Too much NHC in my yeah. vocabulary lately.
2: Well, that is, they do get too close. Oh, they
1: do. Um, but uh, in September, up at uh, Lake Francis, uh, we'll be doing a dinner, and uh, the theme this year is, uh, let's go to the hop, so kind of like a 1950s, but with the hop kind of over it, and uh, so we're going to do some really fun uh, stuff there and actually have a couple pigs that are going to be hanging out uh, in that nice big uh, hop storage room at very cold temperatures where they're going to pick up a lot of flavor and going to roast those up and do a six course menu out there. And Great. I think I'm going to be there fun. this year finally.
2: So. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. I'm hoping Well,
1: to I missed back. last year myself because they actually scheduled it during GBF. Yeah. I had to make a choice there. It was a f- first time in 13 years I missed it. Yeah. So.
2: Okay, so cool. So this will
1: be our 14th anniversary, so that should be real fun. and it will be uh, fun. Also, some other news. I actually have a fan page on Facebook. Great. So, Homebrew Chef, take a look. Just uh,
2: Homebrew Chef. Uh,
1: three words, Homebrew Chef. Okay. And uh, it's with my new logo on there, and uh, you'll be seeing a whole bunch of new stuff on there, but I uh, recommend you become a fan.
2: And then we can get updates about what's going on. And-
1: updates on what's going on, other events, uh, dates for new events, uh, and also website stuff that's about ready to come out. So, Okay, so yeah, so lots of great stuff coming up. Sounds good. And now speaking of fun stuff, you know with the the summer and the you know just the heat and like in Philly man the humidity is just thick out there i'm not exactly sure how people live on the east coast <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I just uh well. i'm just a california wimp <laughs> you know I just uh yeah, yeah wow but uh you know in that kind of high humidity heat uh last thing you want to be doing is drinking a big imperial stout or barley wine or even scotch ale and even some of the ipas are kind of hard to to kind of quaff down because it was just so hot and uh Nottinghead makes just an amazing Belinear Vice. And their brewer, Gordon Grubb, has just a killer recipe and uh, really has it down. And all the brewers that were at my event uh, for the punk rock and finger sandwiches, I mean, I think I had like three of these a day. I mean, I had this beer for breakfast. It's just a great beer. It's a style that we just don't see enough of. And here's Gordon Grubb talking about Belinear Vice.
5: Hi, this is Gordon Grubb uh, from the Mill Room in Noddy Brewery Restaurant talking about Burlinterweiss. A uh, particular favorite style of ours, we do quite a bit of it in the summertime. It's a low-alcohol German wheat style, quite different than a Hefeweizen. Lower in alcohol, lower in body, let's say under 4% very low bitterness we typically, we don't use any hops in the brewing of it Um, it's a clean, sour beer um, straight um, ale yeast and lactobacillus Uh, I've certainly heard of other ways to make it, including using britanomyces, but I don't want any of them for me I wouldn't want any of that Britannomyces funk, like you get getting a goose stay, as great as that can be. It doesn't belong there. Uh, Fruity the esters sometimes come into play. I like to keep them as low as possible, if not even not there. Traditionally, it's often served with raspberry or woodruff syrup. Uh, we have ris- wood, woodruff syrup. Rather than raspberry, we like to use a little bit of shambord, maybe. Basically, this is a thing that when it's hot out, maybe humid, it's not pleasant walking on the street. You come upstairs, and air conditioner's going, and you get a pint of Berliner Weiss, and your whole world gets a little
1: bit better. And let me tell you, it did. Uh, that beer was just the most refreshing. Uh, it has that nice tart, lactic uh, thing going on, like you said. Very little brett. Um, I'm not a huge fan of brett in my Berliner. I do agree with Gordon a lot? He's won a lot of medals with this style. Um, and there's really it's it's a trippy beer to brew for all you home brewers out there. This could be like the next session beer. And all you pro brewers out there, please start making this beer because I will buy it, and I know other people will buy it because oh, yeah. the beer that is available from Germany is like five dollars a bottle for a three and a half percent. You know. Yeah, about three, two, three, one. And there's no hops, so you don't even really need to boil this. It's a trippy, trippy beer to make. But uh, it's actually kind of funny, too, because uh, I've made this a few times. And when you go and you have so little grain in your mash, and and it's just hard to hit your temperatures because you're just so used to having, you know, three times the amount of grain, and you don't. And it just changes your whole brew day. But uh, when this beer is finished, you know you can have it by itself, which I really enjoy. They do a woodruff syrup that's kind of like if you take almonds, vanilla. And put it into a green syrup. It makes a green tinted beer, which is really pretty cool. Because any time I've ever ordered it, uh, there's a restaurant in San Francisco called the the Suppencouche or Soup and, Coosh, and uh, this green beer walks through the room, and everybody starts ordering it. It's so funny! You can almost it's like clockwork. Yeah, one, two, three, everybody wants it. Go, and yeah. all of a sudden you start sure to see like three or four of them come out of the bar. Uh, but really, kind of a fun. It kind of drops the the lactic out of it, uh, changes the flavor profile a little bit. Uh, the other idea is to use the raspberry syrup and I really love the shamborg idea because actually I did have that and, uh, it's really, you know, black raspberry, uh, liqueur essentially really kind of fun on the pairing side and food side uh we did this with my pb and j with dogfish uh, it works really well so for those of you who want a nice simple sandwich with little ingredients uh, it's a good good way to do that uh, also for white fish uh, your halibut your snapper your cod your sole, uh, also shrimp uh, scallops uh, even lobster. I could totally see that you could use this as a poachy medium. Uh, you can also do this as uh, like a little bit of a, just a uh, lightly warm it up and pour it over the fish. Uh, would be really nice, too. Uh, great with cheese. Uh, it's really a versatile beer. Uh, you could use it as salad dressing instead of vinegar. And use like a real fruity olive oil with it to really pr- bring out those esters. And, but do ask great for this style. beer. Go out of your way to find it.
2: Love it. It's one of my favorites, too, so I'm glad oh, we got to do it here. And
1: you can drink a lot of it and still be completely sober. Right. For those of you who just like to drink for the drinking purpose of <laughs> drinking.
2: Yeah, then you still stay sober. Oh. All right, Pax, wonderful show. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us uh, out on the road there.
1: I feel like you guys were all there.
2: I like it. Yeah, tell us some good stuff. I can't wait for the next uh, sandwich event. I like that idea. <laughs>
1: And for those of you who haven't started looking at your calendars, uh, second or third weekend in June for Seattle. Uh, start For looking. the
2: next yeah. uh, National Homebirds Conference, exactly. right?
1: Exactly. It's going to be, I think, a blast. It's, uh, I highly recommend if you guys have never been, go and let's do it.
2: <clears throat> All right. Don't forget you can send feedback over to the Homebrew Chef at the Brewing Network.com. Brewed Chef at the Brewing Network.com. Send your feedback over there. We'll do it here. Our next show coming up in July. We want to thank our sponsors um, Cicerone Beer Certification Program over at Cicerone.org. And our new sponsor this week, uh, this month, is Firestone Walker Brewing Company, who bring you our studio webcam. You can always watch the live studio webcam at slash Brewing Network. And when we're not live, uh, the old shows are posted there too, so you can watch uh, this program, for example, if you're listening. On podcast, you can still go to justintv slash brewing network and find it over there. Uh, okay, so next time we'll bring you more good beer and food from Sean Z. Paxton. Yeah, we'll have a good time. Don't forget to sign up over on his web, uh, his new fan page on Facebook by searching for Homebrew Chef, or on Twitter, or on Twitter, which is also Homebrew Chef. Yep. Yeah. Check it all out there. Thanks for staying with us. Thank you, Sean Paxton, for sharing. And thank you. All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Shout.